The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Guys, I'm so excited. It's house church day. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just did that. I just did that. I know, but I'm just, I just been, I'm just excited. Um, yeah, and Beth just reminded all of us, if, if you've come to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, if you're prepared to do that, those boxes are on the back there. You can drop that in there, your, your Build His Church pledge, your missionary support, or whatever that might be. Um, hey, let's, let's pray. Man, God is good, isn't he? Man, I'm just, uh, God is good. And I, I believe that as we continue to lean into his word, be it today or any day of your life, that he's just going to show himself to you. So let's ask that he would do that today. Lord, we're going to open your word. We're trusting that you're going to speak. We ask that, that the truth of your word, the truth of who you are, of who we are, would just become so clear in our hearts and minds that we can't help but respond to what you're doing in us. So Lord, that's our prayer today. Uh, remove any distraction so we can just hear you. God, just, just, uh, just tunnel vision on your voice today. God, it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> We've been talking about the church, right? Over the last few weeks, this is kind of our, our wrap-up wrap day on the church as we're kicking off house churches tonight. We just thought it'd be kind of a fun way to, to cap it off. We've been talking about the church, but again, let me just recap here for just a moment. You know, it's easy to talk about the church and what we picture in our head is anybody who fills a seat in any religious uh, service on a Sunday morning, but the church is so much beyond that, isn't it? The church is, 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 is different. See, Jesus often drew a crowd, just people. But, but Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His church is unstoppable. The crowd, well, often the gates of hell prevail against the crowd, but not the church. And so we live in a day like, oh, man, am I, and so we're, we're challenged uh, right at the beginning, like, man, am I living my life? Am I following Jesus or am I following the crowd? Am I, am I devoted to, to his word? Am I uh, devoted to remaining in him? You know, it's so beautiful, the pictures that we get of the church, you know, throughout the Word of God, we get that picture of the family. Like, we're just, we're all one big family. I love that. And, and family can be messy, and it can be hard, it can be complicated, but it's the richest thing on, in life. He, he calls us collectively His bride, like that, that relationship that God designed between a husband and a wife to be the single most valuable uh, and tightest relationship on earth. And He says, that's how I that's how, my, that's how I think about the church. Like I, just, I just love the metaphors. I love the language. And so today we're going to look at the, this, uh, this other metaphor today. And this is one of the more common metaphors. So if you're, if you're following along in your Bible, flip it open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, if you want, bookmark Romans 12 as well. It's easy to remember. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, same chapter, different books. Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth. And in Romans, he's writing to the church in Rome. Okay, yeah, you get it. Right? And, he, and he uses this metaphor when, he, when he's talking to both of these churches. And it, it's a powerful metaphor. So I just want to jump into the metaphor, and, and we're going to look at it. It's one that you've probably heard before. Right? In, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit uh, to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. I love that, that picture of the body of Christ. And then, he, and then he jumps right in there. I love almost like this, this like parenthetical statement, right? He, he's given the body analogy. Then he's like, just so you know the depth of what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jews and Gentiles. There was such level of animosity between those two relationships culturally. And he's like, this is what I'm talking about. Like one body, Jew or Gentile, doesn't, doesn't matter. Slave or free. Socioeconomic status means nothing to Christ's church right? Isn't that a blessing? No matter how much you're worth, you're part of the body. Whether it's nothing or everything, you're part of the body. 
And this is the picture that we get. We understand this. You're a part of the body. I'm part of the body. We all each have a different function, a different whatever, and, and we all serve a different purpose. We come together. You guys get it, right? I, I want to I look at this. We're going we're gonna to take a look a little bit, um, just kind of back up a little. Uh, you know, I think this, this analogy is really, really rich, and you can see it in a variety of different contexts. Um, one of the things that I'm sure you've heard here and there and, and uh, I don't know, maybe you've said here and there, is that you look around at the world, I'm going to look at the global, the big, the global, or maybe even the national, right, church, and it's really easy to look around, like, look at all the denominations. Look at all the different groups and the different movements. What if we all could just get along? Why is there so much division and animosity between the church, right? You've heard that. You've maybe said that. Um, I, I just want to, I want to give you a different picture, Okay. I want to give you a different. Does division and divisiveness and animosity and competitivism uh, exist in that bigger picture in some places? Sure. Does it exist in your household? Yeah, probably there too, right? Like, so yes, because we're all just humans, there, there, there's going to be some of this that happens. You want to know my experience, and I've shared this so many times, but I'm just going to share it again because I think it's so, so, so valuable. That is not, I've pastored, been a lead pastor for 10 years, youth pastor for six years, been a pastoral ministry, a youth pastor ministry uh, for five years before that. I have never experienced what everybody talks about, this horrible divisiveness. Like in my personal experience over the last 20-ish years, I've not experienced that on a personal level. So let me just guard us a little bit. Let me guard us. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, okay? Let me just guard us a little bit. Um, Negativity sells, right? Unity and positivity doesn't. And so when anything divisive surfaces, we hear about it. But I'm, I'm, I'm ordained with the Assemblies of God. But when I came to pastor Crossroads, it was a non-denominational church, but the Assemblies of God said, you know what? We love you. We value you. We're going to maintain your credentials, even though Crossroads Church is non-denominational. So we have this like weird relationship there, and it's beautiful, and they receive me, and they honor me, and I honor them. I'm also part of another network of churches across multiple denominations and multiple different affiliations that bond together for, to, to grow the church in uh, the U.S., and actually it spans even into to Canada, um, and, and we're united. Like, in fact, I was at a church conference, a church leaders conference last fall, and there was a, it was actually a friend of mine, a pastor in Lincoln, who's, who just planted a church uh, just before, like maybe a year before COVID, and obviously that was hard, <laughs> right? So he's trying to get some traction, and then COVID hits, and he's trying to do the online thing, and there, there, there's not much there, and saw some salvation just struggling and wasn't really making the money and ended up living with uh, parents in the basement with he and his wife and his, and his kids and, and having a hard time and didn't have a permanent building, so they're struggling. And I was in a, a group of, of, of a church leaders conference full of uh, and it wasn't huge, maybe twice the size of this room, right? And, and, and in a church leader conference, and they, they brought him up and said, hey, we want to do a GoFundMe offering right now so that they can have money to have a down payment on a house and so that they can have some seed money to get into a new church building. And in 30 minutes through GoFundMe, there was $120,000 raised for this pastor's family. Friends, we can talk about the, the, the divisiveness sells, but next time you hear it, tell that story. Okay? Like I, I, just, I just want you to see another side of the coin. Okay? The church, like well, there's so many people really, really concerned, all this divide, all this differences. Listen, friends, the church is alive and well and growing and taking new ground every day. The church is more united than we want to give it credit for because it's more fun and the devil loves to play in the areas of fear than in hope. And I am seeing a church that is the body of Christ in our country. We love to talk about, uh, everybody loves to dog the most recent up-and-coming uh, generation. Um, every generation does, right? We, uh, but listen, let me tell you something about this, this, this uh, it's not even, it's the millennial generation that is now the young pastors in, uh, in the U.S. growing up, and then those, whatever generation is, is now rising up out of that. Listen, can I tell you something that's really, really cool about this younger generation is they don't give a rip about the name of the church on the door. They care about the body of Christ and unity, right? There's something powerful there, okay? So I'm done soapboxing there for a minute, all right? 
Um, I just love the church, okay? And, and I just want to make sure people know, like, it's Jesus' church, it's not ours, and it, it's in good hands. All right, so we have, this, we have this body of Christ. We get it. We're each part of the body, right? And, and I, I believe on a, on a grander scale, even the denominations, right, are, are a part of the body of Christ. And I'm talking about denominations that believe that salvation comes through by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't, don't misunderstand me, okay? Um, we're not going, like, utilitarian, right? Like, uh, ever, ever, we're not going, um, ever, no, no. There is a narrow way. Listen, okay? Uh, there is a, you're not utilitarian. That's not the word I was, universalist. That's the word I was looking for. It's not utilitarian. All right, we're not going universalist. Not, that's not it. We're going, we're going, Jesus is the only way. And among the churches, we all have different expressions of him. And I believe that the body of Christ imagery applies to the church at large. I believe that the denominations and the networks and the movements that rise up within the global church are different expressions of his body, right? I also believe that like, if you zoom it in just a little bit more, even in our city, Right? I love even the letters that Paul wrote were the, to the church in Corinth and to the church in Rome. I believe there is a church in Lincoln. Okay? We are not it, but we are a part of the body of it. I, I think you can take this on a variety of different scales, that you can take this and, and say, like, we are a part of the body, and we fit in a part in Lincoln in the body of Christ. Isn't that kind of a cool picture? And then now we can zoom in just a little bit further and the, and the illustration stands again and now you as an individual are a part of the body, an indispensable part of the body of Christ. You know, it's easy to only look at one perspective of this, but I, you can see it at any level that you look at the church, like this is how God has knit his body together. Isn't it pretty? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it amazing? And so here we have this. And so I want to, I, I, I like, what makes us the body? Okay, what, that, that, isn't that a good question? Like, what, we've heard it, right? And few of us have heard this body illustration for the first time right now. We've heard this before. But what is the context in which Paul begins to talk about that body? What, what, is that, um, what does that look like? It looks like this. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, before we get to the text that we just read, starting in verse 4, let me read this for us. You can follow along if you've got that open. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, so here's, here, let me, let me just, let's just talk about this for just a minute. Uh, here's what we see. So as we see, we got one God. We get that. One spirit. You'll notice the word spirit is mentioned 13 times in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is, is, is really serves as that glue to bring the body, or that's not even a good analogy, is the welder that mends us all together, right? Glue is just like your individualism and my individualism and we'll stick together, right? That, anybody super glued something that a year later was not super glued anymore, right? Uh, he welds us. He makes us into one. Anyway, we see the Holy Spirit's work all over the, and here's how he does it. And here, here's what it was really cool, is he gives us gifts. It says there's, there's, there's this Holy Spirit, and he, and he gives gifts, but he doesn't just say gifts. He, he defines it. You ever trying to get that, that, getting a certain concept out, and you're like, one word by itself isn't enough to like get the concept, so I got to talk around it until everybody kind of gets every angle of it. I, see, I think we see this a little bit. Like if you've got a picture of what that gift is, let me, let me, he says gifts, and then he calls the same thing. We, all have, we each have a different gift. We each have a different service. We each have a different working. We each have a different manifestation of the Spirit. And then in the exact same context in Romans chapter 12, he says it this way. We each have a different function. We each have a different grace that's been given on us. Okay? All of this language is communicating the same thing. Each of us is specifically and uniquely designed by God with a gift from God that expresses itself in one of a variety of different ways. And this is what that gift is. This is what that service, that working, that function, that grace, this is what it is. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. 
Okay, that sounds like the title of a sermon that you'd preach on Halloween, the manifestation of the Spirit, right? Like, like it's creepy sounding, isn't it? The manifestation of the Spirit. Like, okay, but this is what he says the gifts of God are. They are manifestations of the Spirit, okay? So if you can indulge me, okay, just hold on. I'm not a spooky, like, horror movie kind of guy, like, in any, oh, I just don't like that stuff. But if you were to say, like, in this movie, oh, there was a, the, the spirits were manifesting. What are, what are you saying? Okay, I'm just, just indulge me for a second. What are you saying? What you're saying is there's a spiritual world in which there is activity, physical activity that is happening through their power, right? There is, there are being seen in the earthly realm, okay? What if that's what Paul means? What if, what, if, what if that's what he means? What if he means not to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good? What if what he's saying is the gift, the service, the working, the function, the grace that God has given you is in itself, when that gift is in operation, when you use that thing which God has given you, is in itself the very manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God. Ooh. See, you guys have been to a, 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 a church service and there was a speaker, maybe it's a conference, there's some kind of speaker or a preacher or something, and you're like, whoa, that was not just church. Man, that was like, that was the manifestation of God right there. We just met, we met God there. You ever, you ever been in one of those things? We're like, whew. You've been in a worship environment, being here at Crossroads or your local church of the past or some worship venue, worship concert. You've been there and you go and you're like, wow, that leader, that worship leader was anointing. That was not just, that was not just singing songs. That was not just your normal worship. That was a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Okay, those ones are easy. Have you ever received a cup of coffee at the cafe? And you grabbed that cup of coffee, and you went, I was a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Don't fool yourself. It is not the professional ministers who are the only one who can manifest the Spirit of God. God has uniquely and creatively made you to to carry and act for the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ and the world that we live in. So when you smile at that coworker who's like hasn't smiled in three weeks and you say that one thing, maybe it's just a joke, and you see that little corner of their, their, their lip like creep up for the first time in weeks? Guess what? You are manifesting the Spirit of, the, of God, the Holy Spirit working through you, and they just encountered God. That's weighty, isn't it? And awesome at the same time? So here's the deal. God doesn't just say, go do work for me right? See, and I think sometimes that's how, especially if we've grown up in church, like, oh, I got to serve and I got to do what I'm supposed to do. I got to check the checklist and I got to do my responsibilities. No, no, no. God invites you to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit of God, of his presence in the life of the people around you. That's rich, isn't it? That's so rich. Man, I'll tell you what, I've read this a lot of times. And I've never caught that until this week. Now to each one, call it a gift, call it a grace, call it a service, call it a function, call it a working, call it whatever you want. But Paul calls it a manifestation of the Spirit is given for, what's, what's the reason? For the common good. So here's the thing. The last week, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the, like the family illustrations, the bride and the family and that kind of thing in the body of Christ or in the family of God and, and, and all that. You know, we, even right there, I just did it right there. We talk about the church and we refer to the body of Christ. We do it so easily and so like, like 
just commonly that I think we sometimes we forget the full expression of it and what it's from. So we love the body of Christ imagery. I'm of this, I'm of that. But it goes straight from this manifestation of the presence of God thing and starts talking about these gifts, okay? And it's in the talking about the gifts that Paul then says, this is how we're like a body. It's when we use these gifts. It's not just like inherent, but it's like the gifts and, and the way that God has wired you, the way that God has made you, the way that God has gifted you, the way that God has put his grace on you, the way that God uses you to manifest his presence to the people around you, like that is what makes us the body. When we are walking in the giftings and the callings and the expressions and the services and the functions that God has intended us for, to walk in, in that time we are functioning like a body. And so I want to talk about not just the body, and, and, and we don't need one more sermon about the illustrations of the body, though we'll, we'll probably make a few. What I want to look at is the gifts. It's the gifts that are, are really the very thing that gives each body part its, its identity and its, its function and its individualism, right? We are each one with a unique gift and calling and a unique difference and purpose. I'm really glad that my, that my mouth and my ears do different things right? And, and, and that's what he's saying, like, but, but here's the deal. If my mouth doesn't know it's supposed to talk, it does a little good to the body. And my feet don't know it's supposed to walk, it does a little good to the body. And so I want to talk a little bit uh, to each of us as individuals, like, what does that mean, right? We can look at it from the, the body of Christ from 30,000 foot range, like, hey, each denomination, each church movement kind of represents a different function of the body of Christ. We can look at it as the Church of Lincoln, and that's kind of good, and that's great theological and philosophical concepts to, to meditate on. But the local church is the, by God's design, tangible expression of how he wants us to connect with the body of Christ. And this is where we find our gifts, and this is where we use our gifts, and this is where we explore the way that God has called me. So I want to talk about this. I want to talk about not just philosophical stuff, but I want to talk about you and the way that God has made you and the way that God has made me. You, you ready for it? All right. Both of you, here we go. Here's the thing we got to understand. Everyone in God's family has been given a gift. Like that's, that, that is so straightforward. Read 1 Corinthians 12, read Romans chapter 12. It, it, is, it is the very essence of these passages that, that you've been given a gift. And now here's the problem is that word gift. We hear the word gift and we think of like, wow, that kid can throw 105 mile an hour fastball. Whoo, that kid is gifted, Right? Listen to the way that, that she plays the piano. Whew, she has a gift. And so we have this tendency, because we use that in just modern language, right? We have a tendency to instantly, to instantly go there, right? But does, is that included? Yes, throw fastballs for the kingdom of God. One way or another, I'm believing God will use that fastball to manifest the presence of God, one way or another, okay? But that's, that's not the limit, the, the giftedness is not just for those that we would put up on a pedestal and call skilled. But God has given everyone a gift. I, I, I almost guarantee you right now there's some in the room that are going, not me. Okay, you can continue to do that if you want, but you're, in doing so, you're directly saying that the Bible is wrong. So just take a big deep breath. And remember, God made you. He saw you. He made you with intention, and he gifted you. All right, so let's talk about what that looks like um, in its operation. So first thing we have to understand, and here's kind of the premise of it, every single one of us in God's family has been given a gift. There's three things that I want to, the, the steps that we need to take here, right? First one, we have to open it. Everyone in God's family has been given a gift. One, open it. Um, you know, uh, could you imagine that somebody would, would come up to you and say, hey, I have a gift that I want to give to you. I mean, I put a lot of thought into it, man, I think you're going to love it. And you said, hey, thanks. And you took that gift and then you went and you're like, man, this is a valuable gift. And it's all wrapped and it's super pretty. Like all the, the corners are like just precise and clean. They have a nice bow and some, some nice ribbon. You're like, this is beautiful gift. Thank you for this gift. I'm going to go ahead and just now set it on my mantelpiece so that I can see this gift all the time. That would make no sense, would it? The gift is useless until you open it. You have no idea what's in that package, 
But, but if it, it, like, just understand, like, we have to open it. So what does that entail? Here's what we do. First of all, we have to look for it. There's some of you, I, I get it, I get it. Some of you right now, you're like, I don't, oh, man, I just don't know. I don't know if I really have, if I really have that gift or that, that grace. I'm, I don't, I'm not really sure. And, and, and listen, first of all, you just got to believe that God has given, like God gives his good gifts to all of his children. But there's an element sometimes that takes a little bit of searching, especially if we've lived a bunch of years of our lives, a bunch of seasons, maybe a bunch of decades of our lives, never really embracing the fact that, man, God has something for me. And, and, and so maybe God has given you a gift and maybe it's, it, it's, it comes through in your personality. Maybe it comes through in the things that you enjoy. Maybe it comes through in the passions that God's put deep in your heart, but you've never really done anything with it. First of all, you have to, you have to, you have to open it. Uh, and in doing that, you gotta look for it. Some of you just don't look. Like, I just go through the motion. I go to church, and I do the church thing, I go to church, and I sit there, and I'm, I come back next week, and I try to be the best I can. Hey, that's cool, that's cool, right? But there's more for you. There's more for you. And so I think the first step that some of us just, we miss that very first thing, is you gotta look for it. You gotta recognize, like, man, there's, there's something that God has given me. There's something unique about the way that God has made me that, is, is, that he did it for the purpose of building up the church and or to, to reach out to people outside of faith. Like every single one of us. Like you do. Um, so we got to look for it. And what does that mean? What does look for it? Okay, if it's not just throwing fastballs and playing the piano, what is it? Now, let me give you two different lists. Here's the fun thing. When it talks about the gifts that God has given to the church, the gifts that God has given to individuals, there's a number of lists throughout Paul's writings. Some of them overlap. Some of them are very different. Um, and some of them are very spiritual. Some of them are very practical. Some of them are very public. Some of them are very private. And I think the reason that he does that is because he doesn't just make the same list. Like there's like six gifts. If you don't have one of these six gifts, then ah, sorry. Like it's, it's this deep well of, of things that God wants to use you use in you. So here, here's one of the lists in, in 1 Corinthians 12. To one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, uh, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So he knows his audience. The, the, the church in Corinth was very, very spiritually minded. They really loved the whole speaking in tongues thing. That was really cool to them. And they just kind of elevated that gift and put it kind of on a pedestal. And so he's like, hey, look at all these other like very spiritual gifts that, that I've given to the body that, that need to be used find these. In Romans chapter 12, he's writing to the Romans, and in 12, 6, he says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. The reason I read those two gifts is that second one is way more practical, isn't it? Leadership and serving and showing mercy and giving and generosity, those types of things. Here's the deal. I don't know what kind of gifts that God has given you. And for some, you go, okay, it fits in maybe that first category. For some, it's like this the very, very practical, hands-on kind of category. For some, maybe it's aspects of both. But I say all this just to say, like, don't pigeonhole what God wants to use you for. Because he gives all kinds of gifts to bless the church in more ways than you can possibly imagine. First, we got to open it. I mean, we, we got to look for it. Here's the deal. We got to identify it. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean that right now, before you leave, you need to have this list. Here are my top three gifts that God has given me and how I'm going to use them today. Listen, sometimes identifying that gift might take um, days, weeks, years, decades. As God develops things, we're always changing, we're always moving towards Christ. God's going to develop you, and there's certain gifts that he may want to give you later in life as other things come and are developed, and there's different seasons of life that God is going to give you a specific gift for. Listen, the, the, right now, if you're like, I don't know where to start, you need to begin to look for it, and then, and then you need to identify it. And what I want to invite you to do and encourage you to do is invite others into that process with you. If you're like, I don't, I don't, like, I mean, I don't know, what, what, what do I do? Ask somebody. How about, let's start there. 
So often it's the people around you that can see the things in you more clearly than you can see them in yourself. So I'd say in two different levels, invite, ask a friend, a friend who can speak the truth to you, okay? You don't need the friend, like the friend of the American Idol guy who got onto the show and they let him on just to make a public embarrassment of him because none of his actual friends told him that he can't sing. You know what I'm talking about? You don't need, you don't need those kinds of friends, okay? You need to invite a friend who can say, bro, you can't sing. Let's find you another uh, gift here, okay? Uh, and the second thing is find a mentor or a mentor-like uh, person in your life. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be an official mentor position. Who do you respect their spiritual input into your, your life who knows you well enough to say, you know what, this is what I see in you. Invite their input into your life. If you're like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see, well, God, where have you gifted me? Invite those voices into your life. Like, what, where do you see me? It takes humility, and it's scary. It, it's, it, sometimes it, there are insecurities pop up, and I don't even want to ask. What if they say, I don't know, I don't see any gifts in you? Like, what, what if they, you know? Also give them grace. If they don't have an answer right away, it's not because they don't see anything. It's because they're mature enough not to answer the first thing that comes in their mind. We gotta open this gift. God's given you this gift. You gotta open it. You gotta look for it. You gotta identify it. Uh, invite other people into it. Here's the second thing. You have to value the gift. You have to value the gift that God has given to you. Um, don't you love seeing those like videos of kids who open that, that present on Christmas morning and they just like go bananas? You know, what I mean? you know what I'm talking about. We've all seen those videos. They open the gift and, freaking out or whatever. Well, you ever watch the opposite effect happen, right? Like the kid that opens the video, opens the, the present, and then just cries. Have you, you seen those ones? Some of you are like, uh, I saw it last year with my kids, okay? Like maybe, maybe you've seen it before. Or you, you open it, has it happened to you? I know I've told this before, but it's just, it's just such a perfect illustration. I remember being 16, and, and I had an aunt and uncle, love them, I had an aunt and uncle who gave me for Christmas, and they usually give pretty good, good thoughtful gifts, they gave me a dictionary for Christmas. I was 16 years old. So, some of the young people are like, a dictionary, what's a dictionary? Alexa, what's a dictionary? Give me a definition of dictionary, all right? Um, and I remember thinking, I think I sold it, I think I did, no, I know I did, because years later, my aunt or uncle made a reference to that and, and about how much I appreciated the gifts that they gave them. I'm like, well, I just put on a real good show, don't I? Okay. Um, sometimes you open your gift and you don't get what you want. And, and, and I want to touch on this here for a minute because it happens with the Holy Spirit's gifts too. You know, sometimes it's really easy. We gave that expression, that, that example, like that, that, that preacher that we just... Man, the anointing of God is on his life. And we're just like, man, that, if I could just be like that. That worship leader that leads you into the presence of God. Every time she opens her mouth, he opens his mouth to sing praises to God. Like you're just there. Like there is, whew. And what we, what, we, what we do sometimes is we begin to elevate certain gifts and devalue the ones that we have. Now here's something that I just see so, 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 so often. And I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I want you to look inside on this one. I've seen this time and time and time and time and time again where somebody values a particular gift and pursues that gift while minimizing the gift they have because, get this, this is how God gives gifts, because the gift comes so natural to them, they don't view it as a gift. In fact, they don't view it as a gift. They just think everybody else is horrible at doing that thing that comes natural to them. So you complain that nobody else does the same thing that you do with ease. Maybe it's encouragement. Maybe you're, you're an encourager. You're a natural encourager. You just speak life and you speak life and you speak life. You're regularly disappointed that not enough people speak life into you because speaking life is just what Christians do. Speaking life is just the most natural thing that we're called to. And so I'm so all about encouraging other people. I don't get it enough from us, so I'm gonna judge you. But what I really wanna do, what I really wanna do is, 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 is whatever, be a mouthpiece. What I really wanna do is be the one that the evangelist, what I really wanna do is, is play on the worship team. What I 
really want to do is I want to have like mercy. Like I, I just, I, I don't have a short few, I encourage, but like what I really want, right? And we start to elevate certain gifts above our own gifts. We start valuing certain gifts above our own gifts. And what happens then is that our gift doesn't get used to its fullest potential because you keep minimizing it. And you're chasing a gift that you've not been given. And what happens is that the church is not edified because the gift that you were given to be life to the church is lying dormant while you're chasing somebody else's gift. Do you trust that God gives his grace or gives his gifts to his children in a way that is best? Are you okay if he gives his grace to his children in a way that you don't think is fair? Like somebody's got to be the toenail, like right, like like I'd be bummed with no toenails. Okay, I'd be really bummed. But if the toenail is always trying to to pick things up, doing the work of my hands, I'm not going to pick things up well, and nothing's going to cover my feet when I stub my toe. Like if you're not operating in the gift that God has given you because you're chasing somebody else's gift, everyone loses. But if we can begin to value the way that God has made you, you don't have to be the mouth or the foot. You can be the toenail and be it to your best ability. And you can guard the feet. Maybe yours is not the foot in going. Maybe you're the toenail that protects the foot as it goes. I don't want to get into more body illustrations. I think you get it. All right. But here's what was happening in Corinth. They were elevating this gift of tongues. And if you speak in tongues, and you're like super spiritual. And Paul's like, guys, come on. First of all, some of you are trying to do this, and that's not your gift. And your gift is lying dormant. We've got to be the whole body of Christ, which means everybody's got to be operating the gift that God has given them. You know, we see this through different, different like, pockets of, of the church. We see there's different eras. Like there's different gifts that tend to be some places really the teaching. Man, you got to be a teacher. A teacher is where it's at. Teacher, teacher, teacher. But listen, if a local church body had like 80% teachers, like who would get taught? You know what I mean? Like that, that's not how that works. And not to mention teaching is not the highest level of, of, of gift. Whatever God has given you is the thing that you need to lean into. Uh, how about how about today, you know, in church world, leadership. Man, there is no shortage of church leadership books. Holy cow, they're everywhere. The church today really values leadership. I think they should. That's a, that's a, that's a good thing to value. But let's be careful that we don't value any particular gift to the exclusion of what God has actually called you to. Could there be that God has called certain people to be other things other than what they're trying to pursue? So, Everyone in God's family has been given a gift. We got to open it. Number two, we got to value it. We got to value it. What has God given you? Don't compare it to the person sitting next to you. Knock it off. Everybody loses when you do that. Would you learn to value the way that God has made you? Would you, would you recognize the gifts that He's given? Number three is this is use it. Everyone in God's family has been given a gift. We've got to open it. We've got to value it. And then we have to use it. You know, I'm instantly uh, reminded of Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the talents, which I think is an interesting title. It, talents just means money. It's like the parable of the money. There's a lot of parables with money. But what it really is, is the parable of the irresponsible servant. Uh, because there's three guys and he, the, the master gives one certain amount of money and another a little bit more money and another a little bit more money. And the value of the money is not the big deal, but the one with the least goes and he buries it in the backyard while the other two put it to work, okay? And, and when the master comes back home and he finds that the, the first servant just buried all the money because like, well, I don't want to lose anything. Friends, you are not called to bury the gift that God has given you. You're called to use it. Right Now let's take that same example. Somebody gives you this pretty package and, and you finally like, all right, I'm gonna take it off the mantle and I'm gonna open this thing. And you open it up and, and it's a hammer. And you're like, oh, I needed this hammer. It is such a pretty hammer. It's the most beautiful hammer I've ever had. Let me frame it and hang it back up on the mantle. Okay, you've opened it, you've identified it, good for you. You value it a lot. It's hanging in your living room. But if you don't use it, the church is not edified and the kingdom of God doesn't advance. 
get the hammer off the shelf and go to work. It's time to put our gifts into service. Now here's, here's a practical thing. Now, inevitably, inevitably there's, there's things that God is stirring in you, and I'm, I'm glad for that. It's, I hope it's not my voice, but the voice of the Holy Spirit that there's bringing some things to your mind, and, and I hope so, and I'm trusting that he's doing that. Now, let me, let me talk practical expression. Is the body of church limited to an organization or programs? No. Is, is Christ's church a family? Yeah. Okay, so when we think about using our gifts, I just want to encourage us, okay, that we need to think of using our gifts like family, not just like uh, employees in an organization, okay? We've got to remember that. We've got to remember that. <laughs> because inevitably, I'll just be honest, and, and I, I say this not to like, don't do this, but rather to help us all. Inevitably, after a message like this, I'm going to emails from a variety of people that we should start this ministry. Slow down. Use your gifts. But if we think, if I think that the gift that God has given me has to be programized in order for it to have value, then you've missed the family part, right? So we can't turn everyone's gift into a ministry of crossroads. Some might be. Some might not be. Is it okay? Um, and so I don't, again, I'm not saying this to try to like shelter things. I want to hear what God's speaking to you. Email me. I'm not saying leave me alone, okay? Like don't, don't misunderstand me. I love you. I want to hear what God's saying. I want to hear about the, the callings in your life. In fact, I'd go this way. See, I, I've heard this uh, a lot. People have, they, they, they get excited and it's all good. They get excited. Man, God's put a burden in my heart and a passion in my heart. And, and I think that we, as this local organization of the church, we need to go do this. Maybe, or maybe God's put that on your heart because you need to go do that. Listen, this is, this is I'm, I'm saying it now because it's easier to say it now than it is to say it <laughs> uh, after the fact. Let me go back to the teachers. If we have 80% teachers and every teacher like, I have the gift of teaching, let me teach. Logistically, that doesn't work, <laughs> that doesn't work very well, all right? So here's the deal. If we only think, if we can, and, and we, we have a hard time, like we say it with our mouth, that the, the church is a family, the church is relational, the church is family, not organization driven. And yet there's an organizational side to the local church as described by God who set up authority and he set up leadership and he set it so the church could work in order. I have, and we've had the leaders, the elders, we've talked about this before, like it is our heart and it's our goal not to create a program for everybody's gifting, but to empower every gifting to contribute to the body of Christ. Do you see the subtle difference there? And so if we were to talk, if you were to say, man, I, I, God showed me something about some giftings or, or, or can you confirm some giftings in me? Here's one of three things that will happen. One will say, hey, there's a place already for you to serve and use these gifts. The second option is, hey, we might start this new ministry that would align with this because we've already been thinking those things. That's honestly the most rare, uh, but because we're, we're going to continue to follow the vision God's put in our heart, but it does happen. And the third one is this, and this is really where my heart is for each and every one of us. And just as a pastor, this is how I, I see the body of Christ working together in that Lincoln church thing, is that I believe that Lincoln, our city, has needs that can only be filled by people with your giftings. There are nonprofits, Christian nonprofits, that are building the kingdom of God one life at a time, that have vision, that have access to the need, that have leadership, that have resources, and they need people. And so my heart is that we as Crossroads Church would be known around town from, from the pregnancy center to the mission to uh, Atlas Mentoring Program to, to uh, Matt Talbot Kitchen. My, my heart is that we would be known throughout Lincoln as a church that sends people into the places of need that doesn't have to create our own brand of every single ministry, but we can lift up the, the arms of the body of Christ throughout our city. So if you, I, I, this is what I would love. If you want to email me, email the church, to, to, come talk to me. Like, man, this is the, 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 the passion, the gifting that God has put in me. Let's talk about where that can build the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of crossroads. 
right? And so here's the deal. We've got to put it into use, but we've got to be willing to take our hands off of control of how God wants to use the gift that he's given you, right? Because here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. We have to open it. We have to value it. We have to use it. And number four is we have to love with it. Everybody reads 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings because it's really pretty to read at weddings. But you know that 1 Corinthians 13, like, it wasn't written because Paul's like, I need to write a little, little uh, deal on love so people know what love is. It was written to describe how the gifts are, ought to be used. Like, that's exactly why. Read 1 Corinthians 12. It's about the gifts. Read 1 Corinthians 14. It's about the gifts. 13 says the context of how the gifts are ought to be used. Right? We read 1 Corinthians 13 and we instantly hear the word love. I want, you, I want to read the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 13 and I want you to hear the gifts. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, gifts. But if I don't have love, I'm a clanging, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just obnoxious. Whoa. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, that'd be awesome. But I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, that's a bold move. And I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, just like Paul did. But do not have love, I gain nothing. Here's the thing that gets really, really hard when we talk about gifts. We talk about the body of Christ. We talk about giftings and the workings and the grace, the manifestation of the Spirit, is we oftentimes get a lot of me mixed in with my gift. It says, if you're using your gift, if you're not using your gift to love others, that you're obnoxious, you're nothing, and you gain nothing. Paul's words, not mine. Yeesh. Which means when we, when we serve the body of Christ, we're, we're, we're doing that, we're serving. Your gift without humility is just obnoxious. That's, that's hard to receive, isn't it? <laughs> Here's a couple ways that we can check our own hearts in this. Like, opposite of humility is pride. If I'm constantly offended because I'm not valued enough, because I'm not used enough, because I'm not recognized enough, and that offense rises up in me, listen, there is no humility in offense. That's pride, that's signs of pride. I don't get what I deserve, I don't, I'm not valued, I'm not used, they don't care, that's pride. And there's no pride in love. If I become insecure, there's some people, you've not used the gifts that God has given you because you're insecure. And insecurity is another different form of pride. What are people going to think? Or I'm not as good as that person. Or what if I try to do this, but I'm not as good, but I feel my, my gift is here, but I haven't really developed it like they have. And, and what, how does it make me look? Insecurity is another form of pride. And when you allow that insecurity part, you're depriving the body of the manifestation of the Spirit of God, right? So listen, friends, as we talk about the gifts that God has given you and the grace that God has put on your life, I want, we need to do this like little heart thing. Yes, we need to open it and we need to value it. We need to see it and we need to, we need to, we need to use it, right? We've got to use it with love. So here, here, here's how we can look. Is, is there constant source of offense or constant source of insecurity that comes up when in you when you're talking about the giftings if so we need to we need to come to God and repent and say God I'm sorry that I've allowed pride that that, that I've not loved well with the gifts that you've given me we've got to love with it because remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I don't want to use the gift that God has given me for anything but to love the body of Christ and love the people he's called me to. Father, we praise you. God, we're just... There's a lot here. <laughs> There's a lot here. And Lord, I just, I just pray that your, your, your still small voice would speak just like really, really pointedly to those specific things in us. 
for, for some of us, God, for my friends who are in this room, they follow you, they love you, but they've never really opened up that gift. They, they, or maybe they, they just don't value how you've made them and, and, and the gifts that you have given them. Or maybe just an, a, a step of, of stepping out and, and, and putting them into practice. But God, whatever we do, Father, we know that love is our first and greatest command. So God, forgive us for the pride that sneaks into our giftings. The pride that says I'm better, that pride that says I deserve more, that pride that says I'm not good enough. What will people think? Father, we come and we surrender our gifts. We surrender our lives. We lay down all that we have and all that we are to you. And Lord, just say, you do what you want to do with it. God, you do, you do what you want to do with it. God, if you want to use that in an in in organized way here in Crossroads, fantastic. If you want me to, to use it to, 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 to bless my house church, fantastic. God, if you want me to partner with another ministry here in Lincoln to, to put my giftings to best use, God, then I'm willing. God, we surrender ourselves, our lives, our giftings, our callings, our, our, the grace you've put on. We surrender it to you. Say, God, you use it however you want to use it. We're yours. Amen. Hey, I, I want, before we shift gears, I just, as I'm praying there, I just sense God saying this. I feel like there's somebody in here that, maybe more than one, that you feel that God is speaking something big to your heart. Like, like, like even as I'm speaking, you know, like that God is calling you to step out in a way and you just know it's God. But there's too much insecurity that, that you've, just, you've just always put it on, on the back burner. Listen, God's, God's calling you out today. God's speaking to you today and saying, it's time. It's time to act. It's time, it is done. You are done burying it in the backyard. Dig it up and go use it. Maybe he's speaking it to all of us, I don't know. But the church is built and thrives and grows when we, the body, embrace what God has done in us and put it to use for his kingdom. I'm excited. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.